Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. In this bite size from episode number 49, rugby league legend Wayne Pierce answers my 13 questions in Performance Uncovered. We find out a little bit more about what makes Junior tick and where he draws his inspiration. Wayne gave me some truly unique answers that involved a toothbrush, a highlighter, and Bruce Springsteen. And while some of these answers may seem obvious or simple, there's a real depth and a meaning behind everything Wayne dedicates his time to. As I've said in the long-form podcast number 49, I really looked up to, still do look up to Wayne Pierce. I remember him when I was a teenager, 16 years of age, with big hair, really skinny at that stage as a middle distance runner. He came to my school, St. John's Dubbo, and I saw, here is this man playing rugby league for the Balmain Tigers, for New South Wales State of Origin, and for the Australian Kangaroos, and he had a healthy lifestyle. He wasn't drinking alcohol. He didn't succumb to peer pressure because he had a really clear goal. So it was a joy to interview Wayne. It was really interesting doing this performance uncovered to find out even more about the guy who has inspired so many people throughout his career. So I am keen to find out more about you. We call this the Performance Uncovered. 13 questions to find out about you. When I ask you the question, just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Do you need a drink? you need to do some push-ups? Uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. All right, question number one. What is your favourite movie? Top Gun Maverick. Time is your greatest enemy. Phase one of the mission will be a low-level ingress attacking in two plane teams. You'll fly along this narrow canyon to your target. Radar-guided surface-to-air missiles defend the area. These SAMs are lethal. But they were designed to protect the skies above, not the canyon below. That's because the enemy knows no one is insane enough to try and fly below them. That's exactly what I'm going to train you to do. It's gone to the top of the list after I just saw it recently. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times have you seen it? Uh, twice. Yeah, he is it's, so uh, yeah. good. And, and with the, the, the latest um, effects and all that sort of stuff, I, I really like the previous one, but this one, yeah, I think it's even better. Yeah, Awesome, good call. Question two is a tough one for you because you know so many songs. The question is, what song do you know all the lyrics to? Or I'll reframe, what's one of your favourite songs? One of my favourite entertainers was Bruce Springsteen. 1985, I remember going watching him at the old entertainment centre. Whole concert, I stood up on the on the chair like everybody else was doing there. And uh, Dancing in the Dark, I think it would have to be probably my favorite song. You know what's coming next. You've got a band. Come on, give us, give us a verse. Uh, I get up in the evening and I ain't got nothing to say. I come home in the morning. I go to bed feeling the same way. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. We'll put some backing music to that one, <laughs> Wizard. Uh, what food can't you get enough of? Oh, food. I love fruit. I love fruit. For me, a really a great fruit salad, in-season fruit salad. Love it. Number four, what book has had the biggest impact on your life? I'm reading one recently that well, – I'm sorry, I read one recently by a general who um, was in charge of the US forces over in Iraq. And the books that I like to read are books that, that, uh, that I can learn something from and that, that um, can – help businesses as well. And this one's called Team of Teams by General Stanley McChrystal. And it's just 
you know, an amazing book that I would strongly suggest if anyone's looking at sort of tips on organisational change or, or um, team performance, I think it's a great book. Question number five, what is your most meaningful possession? Most meaningful, meaningful possession? I'd say my, 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 my ski, my ocean ski, I think. It's, it's, Has it gone that far up on the list? It's gone up on the list, yeah, yeah. Before that, it probably would have been my toothbrush. <laughs> you still got good teeth. You got a full set of it. <laughs> it's still there anyway. So, um, how many times are you getting out on the ski now? I usually get out three, four times a week, uh, as um, because it, it is so therapeutic and 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 great fitness as well. I did a swim last week at Balmoral, just from one end of the beach to the other. I went there on it was Friday. I had a couple of early meetings. I had a lunch meeting. Had a gap in between. It was beautiful. The water at the moment is translucent. I, I could see all the way along Barrel, Balmoral Beach and back at one and a half K. It was stunning. Yeah, the harbour over the last, I, I think since COVID, the harbour, during COVID and since COVID, the harbour is as cleaner than it's ever been, which let's hope it stays that way. And question number six, what does your weekly fitness routine look like? Uh, usually, it uh, depends because of, as you know, um, being consulting, you, you get sometimes get tied up with work and and um, travelling and, and stuff like that. But if if I've got time, I'll, I'll do three or four days on the water with paddling. Uh, I'll do two or three days in the gym. But I, I usually like to have one or two days a week rest. And for me, that's that's a really good balance. But typically, I probably would would exercise about four days a week. Okay, that's less than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me. I used to do a lot more, but now I've, I've always watched my diet, but now I'm actually more into my diet than I ever had. And um, I actually, probably about 18 months ago, I went gluten-free and I didn't, I didn't realise the impact gluten had on uh, inflammatory effect on the intestines. Mm. And for me, it's certainly given me even more energy and less rumbling in the tummy and stuff like that. Interesting yeah. you say my mother's celiac. My brother's been diagnosed celiac as well. I would say, well, I'm gluten intolerant, but I don't have celiac disease. But if I eat white bread, which I love a fresh loaf of white bread, cut it up, you know, a bit of butter and Vegemite on it, my stomach after that, and yeah. more than my stomach, it makes me fart like a champion. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I eat very little gluten. Yeah. It makes such a difference now. I can tell when food's got gluten in it because yeah. I just crash after. And the great thing is that there's so many um, so many options now and breads and that, that are gluten-free. It's fantastic. Mm. So uh, as a segue from that to question number seven, <laughs> what is your favourite failure? Or when you look back, what challenge have you learned the most from? I think the, the, the for me it was being able to accept feedback because – you know, when I first started, and I've got to take my hat off to um, Frank Stanton, who was the coach that really, my footy coach that made it the biggest difference to me. Um, when I he came to the club in my second year in first grade, and I was someone who was pushing back on on feedback at that particular point, as in I felt that I was giving my because I was someone who gave my absolute best. If I cop some, if somebody was giving me corrective feedback, I would push back on it. Were you not used to getting feedback? Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, that's right. Yeah, no, nah, I wasn't prior to that, and then because everybody would tell me how good I was going, all this sort of stuff. But then when he pointed out to me that you know you really got to take this on board because you've got an opportunity to go to play representing football. He, he was the coach at the Tigers at the time, and ultimately later that year, I, I took took his 
advice on, on board and I've never looked back because now I really do embrace feedback and I went on to play for Australia and, and do all the other stuff. Understatement. You've built a business on feedback now. You coach people around that. So it's a, that's a huge lesson, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and, and it's understandable. I mean, I call it the gift. I, I say when I ask somebody if they're going to give somebody a gift, I say, what's the gift? I say, it's the gift of corrective feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that's the way I view it nowadays. So you hadn't been open to that. You combine that with insecurity. I, I can push myself, put myself when I was young getting feedback because, well, I'd push back. Yeah. I think now a lot of it was insecurity because yeah. I thought I had my shit together. I was trying to project that I did, but underneath it, it really made me struggle when I got firm feedback. Now it's a gift, like you say. Yeah. I, I, I want to get more feedback about how I can improve, what I can do better, rather than people just saying, oh, mate, we love it, and then walking away and saying, that was shit. Yeah, I, I, from, without a doubt, that was the single biggest turning point in taking me from being here to here was the ability to be open to it and, and actually not just being open to it, actually seeking it and made a huge difference. Mm. What's your phone message now? <laughs> I pause when I ring you because I know you're going to ask, what have you learned? Oh, I've learned nothing. I'm not going to ring him. I'll learn something. Wizard, teach me something. I'll ring next week. It's funny. Like, I mean, uh, um, uh, some of the other days sort of said, oh, you got that same message on. I said, oh, yeah, I better change it. No, no, don't change it. I've had it there for about 15 years. Well, well <laughs> it's everlasting because you're asking someone about them for a start. So yeah. you make it about the person. What's everyone's favourite topic, Wayne? Yeah. Themselves, just yeah. ask them. Yeah, and then you're actually getting them to think, what have I – so I do. Every time I leave a message and I hear that, I go, oh, shit, yeah. i got to learn more. Yeah. i got to learn more. Number eight, what do you do to recharge? Recharge the batteries. Um, I, I like – I do like um, listening to music. I, I, I do like reading. They're the two things that give me the the, the most um, relaxing downtime. And reading for me with a highlighter pen, because it's the re- books I read are all books that are going to help me learn stuff. I can't read a book without a highlighter. No, I love no, you. Same as me. Well done. Give us five. <laughs> <laughs> My partner Tony, she just goes, "You idiot!" Her actual words, "You idiot!" You know, you can read a book without a highlighter. <laughs> We were away last year and I said, no, I need a highlighter to read my book. She said, why don't you just read? Babe, no, no, if it's a book with knowledge, like, and then I can flick. I totally get that. But that's why I, I, I'm, I'm not, I just can't, I can't do the e-book thing because oh, no. I need the physical pen. Yeah, yeah. Highlighter pen to. Yeah. Wizards looking yeah. at going, the old guys you have in the chat, you know, <laughs> back in the old days. Also, I find with digital, different with a Kindle, but on my iPad, I, I, I don't have enough focus to not go and check other things if I switch off. So that's why I love a good old book. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on, neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture, or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including the morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. Right, number nine. 
I'm really curious on this one. What do you do to prepare for key performance moments? So you're doing a presentation, you're in a, the NRL, you're doing the media work or the commentating you do. Tell me, what does that look like? If it's something half that, an hour, that, 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 hour I, that I, I know is coming up, I'll take myself into that space beforehand. I do, I do a lot of visualisation mm. and I'll relax. Breathing is important. Um, I, I breathe myself, breathe to just deep breaths, uh, settle myself down, I'll, and I'll see myself in the outcome that I want to achieve. And that's pretty much my, the way that I prepare. If I've got a speech that's coming up, I'll I'll settle myself down before. What are the key points? Yeah. So that's 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 what I always did as a player as well when I was playing. Um, and so you do it before the presentation, obviously. If it, if it's something that that's structured and planned, uh, I'll, I'll do that before the presentation. Yeah. How long before? Uh, usually it's, I'll always get there early and I'll sit in the car, usually sit stay in my car from driving or if it's flying away somewhere, I'll get wherever it is early, find a quiet place and then go into, into my little routine. Yeah. Mm. I think a lesson for that, for anyone listening to this who doesn't prepare for their performance moments, whether it's a meeting with a CEO or a job interview or even going on a date or something important in your personal life, if we just fly from one moment to the next, we, we're not present physically, psychologically. That transition, it's really important. Yeah, and I mean, what I've learned also is to place intentions around what I'm seeking to achieve. So it's, it's yes, I'm visualizing, but I'm visualizing what's the intention, what I want to achieve in that, because that in setting intentions is very much like setting goals, and um, goal setting is grossly underestimated tool that is a key to peak performance. A lot of people don't understand the reticular activating system, how fancy name for the access point to the base of the brain and stuff like that. So, but for me, uh, that setting intentions is really important. I like that. And then the science behind goal setting, so reticular activating system, example is you buy a new car. Yeah. Now, I can remember in Hobart getting a Hilux Ute, column shift. Geez, I felt good. I had a tray. I was going to get a dog, but as an athlete, poor athlete, I didn't have enough uh, money to feed it, Junior. But I suddenly noticed every Toyota Hilux on the right. That's yeah. reticular activating exactly. system. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's quite fascinating without confusing people that are watching the podcast, but the experts tell us that there's around about 11 million bits of information coming to the, the non-conscious brain every every second, yeah? And the conscious brain, however, can only handle around about 50 bits per second. So that means we, we only, we're only aware of a fraction of what is actually out there and as in terms of stimulus coming in. So goal setting actually helps us program that bouncer at the nightclub door that's letting in information to the conscious brain as to what gets through and what doesn't get through. And so that's why goal setting and setting intentions is really important. You did that well. Have you been a bouncer at a nightclub? You're even, <laughs> you lost your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a bit bigger. No, no. Actually, I was a doorman when I um, first started, when I started at uni at Balmain Lease Club. Used to be a nightclub up there as well. Oh. Balmain Lease Club, yeah. It's, um, anyhow, it was back the old days, yeah. Long, long smile when you talk about that. Let's get on to question number 10. What keeps you up at night? Uh, when my newly born granddaughter stays with us, she hasn't as yet, but she will be certainly. Um, I'm sure she'll keep us up a few nights. But um, no, I can pretty learn to compartmentalize. You know, I, I suppose the only thing that, that sort of would keep me up at night or does keep me up at night is if over the years there's been some families with family issues that really does the work stuff i can compartmentalize and put it aside so i've learned 
to go through a process. And I think that's the thing that makes a big difference to be able to to get regular regular consistent sleep when you're when you're busy and under pressure is, is have a routine and I wind down, have a wind down period. It must be hard as a father and I don't know if you've spoken about this before, but with Mitchell and some of the challenges, like when he's got the name Pierce for a start, that that was a, a, a heaviness for him initially, I'm sure, until he became Mitchell, not Wayne's son. And then seeing some of what's played out in the media, that, that'd that be really tough as a dad. I, I put myself in your shoes on that to think of what that would be like for one of my kids. That'd be tough. Yeah, it has been over the years, but you know, he, Mitch, Mitch is in a great spot. Um, he's, he's playing doing, well. He's, he's doing well over in France, playing over there at the moment. Yeah, so it's it's interesting being being a dad, yeah, or or a mum, or it doesn't matter how, whether they're this this tall down here or or fully grown. You, you're, you're always you're always there for them, as you know. Yeah, is it little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems? <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> what what I would love to see with with Mitchell and what he's been through, I reckon he'll be a great coach, a great mentor. I really see him owning some of the the mistakes he's made. And then I think he can teach young men, young women so much from his mistakes. So I think that's a real opportunity for him moving forward. Yeah, I, I think Mitch Mitch is a great a great fella, and um, he's he's incredibly talented in terms of the discipline he's chosen to, to go down the path. That's the footy path, but but he's actually learning a lot more about himself, leadership, and he wants to make a difference to kid, to young kids coming through. So I think when he finishes his footy career, he'll he'll, he'll certainly do a lot more in that space. Question 11, which NRL team is Mitchell going to sign up with next year? <laughs> I made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> going to catch you out. <laughs> it would be good to see him come back and finish in the NRL. Yeah, well, I think that's a chance as well. Uh, this is his second year over in France, so see what happens next year. I think there's an option if he wants to stay over there, but I, I would be surprised to see him come back. He's, um, he's playing really good footy, and health-wise, his body's in good shape, so mm. yeah, who knows? Proper question 11, what is your number one productivity tip? How do you bang out what you do? Because I, I do, I see you, your social media, I know you, you're busy in NRL, the work and the commissioner, um, the private work Well, for me, people say you can multitask, but I, I don't believe you can. It's one task at one time and, and prioritisation is the, the most important thing that I've learned to do. And prioritisation really is around what's the most pressing issue or, or project uh, aspect of the project that needs to be done now that um, is going to make the biggest difference in this moment and and just immerse yourself in that. I think where a lot of people, and I used to get caught up, was I'd start this one, then I'd work on this one over here, and then I'd work on this one over here. And that changing from one to the other actually does inter- interrupt with your flow, mm-hmm. and that's that's probably best productivity tip I can give. I know you warm up your body and brain of a morning by doing exercise and, and meditation. Do you have a productivity warm-up as well? Do you start the day before you are in the office or if you're on the Oh, road? no, I'll always, whilst, um, after I do my meditation of a morning, have breakfast, then what I'll always do is, is I'll always get into, unless I've got to head straight off to run a seminar or something like that, if I've got time, if I'm at home, I'll then move into the projects that require the most creativity because I find I'm most creative first up in the morning. So that's pretty much what So what you, do. you look at all your tasks and you go, what requires more yeah. creativity, yeah. big thinking, you do those first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some tasks are pretty much just functional, other tasks. So the creativity, for example, around a new seminar, I've got a, a new topic seminar, I've got, I've got to run for a client and um, what's that going to look like? How can I, how can I get the best 
out of this particular time that I've got available. And that, that requires, as you know, creative input because you've got to you know, sort of think where this should fit. How can I make the best uh, get the best result. I find it also requires delayed procrastination. I had a phone call before we called up, so we had lunch before recording today. And uh, a bureau I'm working with said, can you send your notes through? The client wants your notes for, for a talk next week. I said, I'm not going to do it until later this week. So can we manage that as well? Because I'm thinking about it, reflecting, talking, and then you come together at the end. Do you yeah. find that as well? It's- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. And this is where I think the goal setting uh, and opening the brain to all these opportunities that are around we don't see them unless they're on our radar and goal setting helps put it on the radar. You know, quite often I'll see this, something will be, will come up and, oh, well, I should that add that into, into, into that, that will help in this presentation that I've got happening next week. So my point is that, yeah, it's, it's a, an adaptive process. Mm. Question number 12, who has been your most influential mentor or mentors? Oh, without a doubt, it was when my dad died I had a bit of a rough patch for probably about six months, and then a guy who was a friend of my dad's. His name was was um, Mick Kokas, Mister Kokas. I used to refer to him as, and he was the the person who really came into my life that gave me a sense of deep sense of belief, and he was the one that instilled the confidence in me to to set a goal, and that goal was was there were two goals. One initially it was to play for the Tigers, which was, and I was 14 years of age at that point, and so I was way off. And the other, the other one was to go to uni, university, because Gough Whitlam, not long before that, had come into parliament and made it free to go to, for kids to go to uni. So Mr. Coco said to me, this is going to be an opportunity for you. No one in my extended family had sort of ever been to uni. So he was the person that, without a doubt, was the, the most the most impressive impressive in terms of a mentor. So he, t- he, t- he set those two goals with you? Yeah, yeah well, uh, he, s- he actually got me to sit. What happened was I was, I was going to be a telecom technician, yeah, because that this was- This is tel- before it was Telstra? Was it this is, Telstra yeah, this, yeah, this is telecom was before Telstra, right? So I was going to be a telecom technician. And um, because my, just, it was one of those things that sort of, um, it was a trade, it worked for the, worked for the government, you know, it was, it was reliable and, and um, anyhow, that was what, what I was going to do. And then my dad died and, and um, had a bit of a rough patch for about six months. And then um, Mr. Kokas sort of, one, one, one day the, he met with me and he, he asked me to, he said, when you go to bed tonight, he said, just have a think about what you would dream to, to do if you could dream the biggest dream possible. What would you dare, dare to do? What, not what would you dare to do, what would you love to be doing? And I went to bed that night and um, and all I could think about was because he said that would make you the happiest person that you could be. And all I could think about was playing for the for the Balmain Tigers because I was a Tigers supporter and I love my footy and I couldn't think of any other job that I wanted to do. And you, you earned a little bit of money then, but it wasn't a full-time job or anything, but that's what I dreamed. So the next day when, it, when he came back, he sort of, sort of said to me, what is it? Anyhow, he... Uh, he, he sat me down the lounge and I sort of said, well, I want to play first grade for the Balmain Tigers. And I took a breath because I thought he'd say, no, I think it's something more realistic. And his response to me was when I said, yeah, Mr. Kokos, I want to play for the Balmain Tigers. I went, oh, he said, fantastic. That's awesome. He said, I know how much you love your footy and I know how much your your, um, your dad loved your footy and all this stuff. And then um, 
And then he sat me down and said, close your eyes, sat back in the lounge and, and he just talked me through me being a star of the match in the in the you know talking about being in the dressing rooms at the at the at Leichhardt Oval and then me being out in the field and making a break and doing this sort of stuff and then he got me to open my eyes up and said how do you feel and I said fantastic and he said to me he said you better get used to that feeling because that's going to be your destiny and then but he says it's not going to happen you got we've got to make a plan and then he came back again a couple of nights later and sat me down and worked on a plan and but that that was the sort of thing that that he did and and this is way before you know, the sort of visualization stuff was way before you had guys like me hanging around for yeah, you right. yeah, gurus like you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that so that was that was something that yeah he had a profound impact on my life yeah thank you for sharing that i, I could feel that when you were saying it like you, how did you feel when you're recalling that story because you your face change like your eyes oh i mean i the interesting thing is that that story as i matter, I, I, I've, I've shared that story many times when i when i've spoken at, at events and stuff like that but when i think about it i go back into sitting on the lounge and mm. and um yeah quite interesting yeah i can see it's moving you yeah, yeah for sure we're gonna give you a hug when we finish <laughs> i love that yeah <laughs> and i love the authenticity about that because we see big tough men you know i grew up watching you as the the big number eight not so big uh, anymore i've uh, lost a bit of weight since uh, i played yeah. <laughs> but to share that and we need to have more conversations around this mate i was uh at, at fitness at balmoral this morning and one of my mates in that group said on the weekend one of his best mates took his life on the weekend and he just said to me amazing oh, we need guys to open up more and more yeah. and he was like he was very emotional I love you sharing that because I think we do need to share more of these stories. And we, uh, Gus Wallen's doing a fantastic job in the NRL at the moment where he's talking about yeah, expressing feelings, expressing emotions. We're sometimes not good at it as blokes, are we? We sort of hold it up and yeah, no, it in. we're not. No, we're not very good at it. But um, I think you know, stereotypes starting to break down a little bit. I mean, I don't necessarily not want to share emotions, but I don't want to upset the flow of what the conversation's about. Uh, there is a, an agenda and it's called a loose agenda. Um, Very good. Because if I was like, now let's wrap this up and move on to question yeah. number, the final one. I could feel that. And I've known you for a number of years. And as I said, I you know, grew up watching you. You've got to know you. Uh, I gave you the feedback earlier when I did your PCM course. After two days, I'm like, mate, I want more footy <laughs> stories. It was all it was all the wonderful leadership and science. But that's a real story. And I can just see how much that wonderful man had an impact on your life. It's a sliding door moment, isn't it? That if, if he hadn't come along, you think, like, who else would have done that Well, the funny thing was, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But the, the funny thing was it wasn't until I sort of wrote my autobiography the last year that I played that I reflected on what were the key moments in my life that got me on this path, you know. So, uh, and from the biggest adversity, which was my father dying suddenly, when I was 14 years of age, from that adversity came this wonderful opportunity and this wonderful man came into my life. And that was something that I'm very grateful for and, and fortunate to have acknowledged because, um, as I said, it wasn't until years later. He, you know, I used to see him regularly and I never really had the opportunity because I wasn't aware of it to sort of thank him for the impact that he had. But I did meet up with him many years later and because um, he moved interstate 
and had a conversation with him about it and, um, yeah, it was really good. I bet he loved that. He did, yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away during COVID and he was over the border in Queensland and I couldn't see him go to his funeral, so I couldn't um, didn't really see him much, but I couldn't see him um, – so I couldn't attend the funeral. That was pretty pretty sad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you think being a grandfather has made you a little bit more in touch with your emotions as well? Has it changed you? I've I've sort of become more in in touch with my emotions as probably over the last ten years. Just as I, the more I've got into the psyche of of um, personalities and um, distressed behaviours that can prevent us from going into that space at times. So yeah, but for me, it's. One of the big things that I encourage in the seminars that I run for businesses is is connectivity and psychological safety. And and to do that, it helps if you're a leader, to actually big help if you're a leader. And as a facilitator, you've got to be a leader to actually be open and, and express emotion where emotion is appropriate. Um, so for me, in the role that I that I am in now, we're running some facilitating seminars. It's really important for me to be authentic and, and, and share stories because short stories elicit emotion in other people as well. Mm. Mm. Final question, what is your definition of high performance? High performance is very, very much an individual thing. I suppose it depends on the context. Um, it's a pretty broad question, but in terms of context, high performance for an individual is that individual preparing and accessing the resources that will help them achieve at or near their personal best in whatever discipline they're targeting. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.